Listener Production. Please leave your message after the tone. Why am I jealous of my ex? I am so stressed all the time. How do I get into a routine? Is TikTok making me anxious? I think I'm being manipulated. Someone told me you could live with half a brain. This is Do You Fucking Mind? Mindset Hacks for a Badass Life. Hosted by me, Alexis Fernandez. Hello, my beautiful beans, and welcome to the episode of today. So in today's episode of Do You Fucking Mind, we are going to be talking all about your authentic self. Now, when it comes to the authentic self, I'm going to be talking about, firstly, what that is, because I think a lot of people, I think we like throw that term around a lot, and it sounds a little bit woo-woo, but it's not at all. It's it's very central to our self-esteem and our overall happiness. I'm going to explain why that is. And then I'm also going to be talking about concepts that heavily influence how much you can tap into your authentic self and living a life that's true to your authentic self. And these things that I'm going to be talking about is self-inconsistency and self-conflict. So I'm going to be delving deep into those topics. Now, I don't have a brain fact for today, and I also may not do a listener question. It's going to be a slightly shorter episode, but I thought let's just dive deep into this one topic. Let's just cover the whole thing, and um, hopefully by the end of the episode, you can you know, get some of these tools to really work through to help you feel like you are living on purpose with what it is that you truly want to be doing. I think there's a lot of confusing things that come into our life. There's a lot of influences, some good, some not so good, that end up confusing us and we end up feeling a little bit lost. We end up not really knowing what it is that we truly want to do, what life we truly want to live. There's so many factors that end up confusing us. And I feel like in the era of choice and infinite possibilities and infinite decisions, it almost makes it a little bit worse. I think there's this like fallacy of happiness comes in choices. And I think that that is true to a degree, but then I think you can get paralyzed when there's so much to think about, so much to consider that you end up doing the opposite, which is nothing. So that's what I'm going to be talking about today. Now, I I was going to do a life update, but Really, all I've been doing today is running around frantically in my office space. So I just re-signed the lease for my office space. I've got this really, really cool office space, which is actually a, I hire out, it's a warehouse converted apartment, uh, which I use as like my space where I film, record, create content. This is where Shania and I come and do heaps of work. And it's just like my oasis And I'm one of those people that, especially coming into the end of the year, I need to rearrange shit. I was one of those kids growing up that had to rearrange my bedroom at least a couple of times a year. And it would be this whole big surprise. I would like tell my parents, don't come in, you're not allowed to come in. And I'd be rearranging with my sister when we were young and we shared the same room. We would rearrange everything, think it was just so unbelievable. But all we did was like move the bed against one more two, just literally another wall, move the bedside tables. And our parents would walk in and be like, wow, oh my God, that's, that's so great. Fucking, you've just been dragging furniture around all afternoon. But I still have that in me now. And really the layout of my bedroom at home where Tyrone and I live, there's just like no room for movement because the belt is the bed is built into the ground. So I can't be doing that on a regular basis. But alas, um, well, alas would kind of mean that it's unfortunate. But here we are in the office space and I'm running around like a psychopath trying to rearrange shit so it lines up exactly how I want to have it lined up for filming. And I just feel so, I feel like a 
like a new person. Like I'm born again every time I um rearrange my furniture. So if you want to make me happy, come and help me rearrange fucking shit in my office. Anyway, that is my life update. So clearly not much going on. Let's get straight into the episode of today. So the first thing we're going to talk about is what does authentic self even mean? What does it mean to live your authentic self? So in a nutshell, it's to know yourself. It's to really, really know who you are. It's to also know what you want. Not necessarily, well, I mean, yes, out of life, but what you want on a day-to-day basis. What are your values? What are your morals? What do you hold in high esteem in your life? Um, What you stand for, that kind of thing, to be like true to that. Also, mind you, when we talk about your authentic self, that can be evolving and it can be changing. I'll touch on that later. It doesn't mean that this is who you are and you absolutely cannot change, but it's who who you are right now and who, what you resonate with at this point in your life based on what you know, based on what you've experienced. It also has to do with your free will. So this is your autonomy. It's your independence. So the way I kind of look at it is sometimes if you're trying to really get clear on your authentic self. One of the exercises to help you get clear on knowing your authentic self is to, if you were given the, is to think if you were given the freedom to do whatever it is that you wanted to do, like within reason, and there'd be no judgment from anyone that you know, there would be nothing. What would that freedom look like to you? And if you start to say, oh my God, I changed my job straight away then that's a really good indication that maybe you are living your life under someone else's terms or under your family's terms or what people think, how other people think you should be living your life. You know, there's a lot of people that live a very different version of themselves because they think that it would just be unrealistic or it would be too difficult to live their authentic self, the self that behind closed doors is the the self that they are, okay? So really think what would that look like? What would freedom be? So would would your job change? Would where you're living change? Do you feel that you have to live in a certain way because you feel pressured by the people around you? Do you feel that you have all these responsibilities that have been put on you that you never asked for? And now you kind of feel a little bit like, oh, I feel like I have to fulfill these responsibilities because it's just been put on me and that's that. Do you feel like maybe you've been living a life for so long that if you were to change it, you would it would be scary. You wouldn't know how to start. You wouldn't know where to begin. So you're picking like the devil that you know instead of choosing the unknown and potentially really living that authentic version of your life. So it's I think it's a really good question to ask yourself because it gets you digging deep and asking yourself the hard questions. And these are questions that normally will skim over and we think, oh, yeah, like in an ideal world, I'll, you know, travel the world and blah, blah, blah. But like think about it on a day-to-day basis in your everyday life. Would it look the same or would it look different if if you, you know, didn't have to uphold these certain things in the eyes of other people and in the eyes of maybe yourself as well because you've put pressure on yourself. So that's what like authentic self is and how to understand your authentic self. But now I want to talk about two things that I mentioned at the start of the episode. The first one is self-conflict and then the next one's going to be self-inconsistency. So self-conflict is where there is basically a conflict between our morals and our actions or our thoughts and our emotions and things like that. So it's kind of when you 
do something to hurt yourself to please somebody else. That's a huge example of self-conflict. When you put yourself down to try and make someone else feel better because you it's kind of head versus heart. In your head you're saying, well, I need to please these people, so I need to do this thing to make that person happy. But then ultimately that's not really who I am. So they're seeing a fake version of me and now I've now upset myself and now I don't feel fulfilled. I don't even feel happy. I feel like, you know, yeah, okay, great. They're potentially happy for what I did, but I've just gone and abandoned myself. That's an example. It's kind of when you're in this battle with yourself and who you think and what you think you need to be doing. So that's kind of self-conflict. Then we've got something which is a little bit similar, which is self-inconsistency. It's also known as self-discrepancy or the self-discrepancy theory. Now, the self-discrepancy theory, which, which was developed by a psychologist, Edward Torrey Higgins in 87, basically states that individuals compare their actual self to these internalized standards of their ideal self or the version that they think they ought to be. Okay. Now remember the word ought to be, which is like basically a version that you should be, that they think they should be. Okay. So this theory, this self-discrepancy theory is basically talking about the clash between your actual self versus the ideal and the ought self. And that's what causes this emotional discomfort, these feelings of fear, feelings of threat, discomfort in general, fear of the unknown. And this self-inconsistency, this discrepancy is basically that gap between these two versions of your self-representation. So let's break that down further. So actual is basically the, the your self-concept of what your current attributes are. So it's your current intelligence, it's your current skill set, it's your physical appearance, your physical abilities, kind of what's going on in your life right now that you can label as this is right now who I like am and what I'm capable of doing and everything around that. Ideal self is what you would love to possess. Like these are your goals. So these are your dreams. They're your aspirations. It's normally, this is normally going to be what's got, what is the driving force that helps you make change in your life. So you, you identify something that you want for yourself and you think that is the ideal self if I had this life. And mind you, sometimes the ideal self is this authentic self. Okay. Sometimes the ideal self is, I know this exists in me. I just wish I could express my life in that way. Okay. And sometimes your actual self is not your authentic self as far as what people see. So yeah, to summarize, ideal is what you'd love to possess. They're your goals, your dreams, your aspirations, all of that. And this is really, really helpful when you're structuring goals. We all have an ideal self. We all have something that we'd like to achieve or something that we'd like to do. And that's the ideal self. Then we've got ought. And that is what you believe that you should possess. So this is your duties, your obligations, your responsibilities. And here is also where you are living up to expectations that have been set for you either by that you've set for yourself or expectations that people around you have set, your community, your culture, your parents, your friends, your partner, all encompassing. The difference between ought and ideal is that ought is not necessarily something that you want for yourself. 
it might be something that you just think that you were born into this kind of life or this situation or you found yourself in this situation, now you have to do this thing. And sometimes there are things that you legitimately have to do. Like there are responsibilities that you can't necessarily walk away from. Um, But, you know, hopefully a lot of the responsibilities that you have in your life are part of what you want for yourself. Uh, But a lot of responsibilities are these false responsibilities where we feel like we have to do something, but the only outcome of that is because it pleases somebody else. So for example, a a real responsibility is taking care of your child. It is your child. You are responsible for that child. And hopefully that's what you'd want to do. And then a false responsibility is, oh, I have to do this career because if I don't, I'll really disappoint my parents. They've been talking about me doing this thing my entire life. And I've said that I've wanted to do it, but now I realize that I've only said it because I've just been brought up around that. And in reality, don't actually want to do it, but I feel responsible for the happiness. So that's like not a real responsibility because, you know, their lives aren't pending on you basically. Anyway, so there is something called perceived authenticity that psychologists use to refer to how authentic an individual perceives themselves to be. Okay. So it's kind of, it's a self-judging scale and based on this these questions, you determine how authentic you really think you are with how you lead your life. And the higher that this perceived authenticity is, the higher the score on that perceived authenticity, the higher the levels of mental resistance was found in these studies that were done. And the more it aids in recovery of individual trauma and also collective trauma. So people that have higher levels of this perceived authenticity seem to have more resilience and seem to recover better in general with trauma. And in studies looking at these perceived authenticity, people who scored low on these scales of perceived authenticity were reported to have really high levels of stress, especially after traumatic events. And in the case of this particular study, they were talking about people that experienced a hurricane. Okay. So they were looking at people that were exposed to this hurricane, had a really traumatic event. The people that scored low on this perceived authenticity struggled with the trauma a lot more and the stress of it a lot more than the people that scored high. So why is this? There's oh, there's a whole bunch of reasons, but a lot of psychologists believe that living authentically, which is basically being true to yourself, true to your needs, true to your inner values, has a really positive association with many psychological and physiological markers of well-being. So included in that are things like self-esteem and life satisfaction and that kind of stuff. And then of course, lower levels of that equal anxiety, distress and depression. So because of this correlation between like self-esteem and authenticity, it pretty much shows how people can enhance their resilience in adulthood to have a better life experience. Now, mind you, these studies that I was reading up on kind of focus around young adults and like middle-aged adults, um, but not so much on anything beyond the, on the two sides of that. But you would imagine that it would likely be similar. Now, what I want to talk about is this kind of battle between heart and mind, because I think that we've all been there, this psychological guilt of like letting someone down and the emotional pain of letting yourself down. So one of the things that I was thinking about when I was writing this episode is that so much of our identity is tied into our career. When people sit down and think, what is it that you want? What do you want? People instantly think like, what do I want to be? What what career? What title do I want to be? 
And so there's so much pressure on understanding what you want to be because then your career determines your identity and your identity determines all these other facets of your life, how you're going to lead your life, who you are, what it says about you, all of that. And I think that it can be quite stressful for a lot of people who have never really found their passion in something that generates an income. So there's a lot of people out there that think, oh, well, I never found my passion because they never found their passion in their job. And I just want you to know that if you're someone who's sitting at home really, really confused, being like, I've found my passion. I'm in my early 20s, mid 20s, 30s, and I've never really, you don't fucking have to. Living your authentic self doesn't mean that how you generate income to buy fucking food dictates who you are as a person and dictates what your passions are. So I started doing something differently a few years ago, actually. And I noticed that when I would meet someone new, I would do this and everyone would do it to me. The first question after what's your name was, what do you do for a living? Or what do you, what's your job? What do you do? What's your career? What, but something around what do you do as your primary source of income is basically what the question was. And I realized that I understand, like it's, it plays a major role. I don't blame people for asking it. I don't blame myself for asking that. But I realized that the main reason why we do that is because your job, for the most part, does take up a lot of your time. And for a lot of people, the job that they do is something that they really like. But I realized that it kind of instantly gives people an idea, a concept of what they already know about that job. And then they place that concept on who you are. So then I started thinking I'm going to try from now on and have conversations with people and not bring up their job unless it is crucial for me to ask them about their job. Like if they're saying, oh, at work today, I had this really hectic situation, then of course I'm going to be like, well, what, what's your job? You know, you know, to obviously context. But I was thinking, what if I started just not asking? So I say to people, what do you do for fun? What, like anything, any, any question. But when you start saying, what do you do for fun? Then people are like, oh my God, well, I love you know, doing this thing. I just came back from this big trip and and then their eyes light up and they start talking about things that really resonate with what they love to do. And some people spoke about their jobs because they loved their jobs. Oh, I love my job because blah, 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 blah. And that's what they go straight into. But it was really interesting when I started changing the question, seeing what the answer would be. And I think you've got to kind of do the same for yourself. Don't try and put so much of your identity into your job if it's not a direct representation of who you are and how you feel and how you want to express yourself. Sometimes the two things are completely different. Sometimes people can just work a job. It pays the bills. It's fine. It's good. They're happy with it, but it's not where their true passion lies and their true passion lies completely outside of that. It is so fine and healthy and nice and normal and good to want to just have a nine to five that's just going to pay the bills and find your passion somewhere else that's lovely. And for a lot of people that actually reduces a lot of stress. So I think there's this pressure and this like hustle culture and all of that, that you have to find your passion in your career and you don't have to. I mean, if you want to, amazing, keep listening. And if you don't want to, amazing and keep listening. Like it's just, I feel like if you're someone who's, like I said before, if you're someone who's sitting here thinking, fuck, I just, I don't know what I want to do with my life. Don't think that what you want to do with your life and your career is the same thing because it's not. You can find passion in other things. And I think that that opens up way more possibilities for yourself when you re- when you come to that realization, because you think, wait a minute, if the thing that I love doesn't have to generate income, 
it's just opened up a million more possibilities for me to explore what it is that I really want, how I really can live my authentic self, what I genuinely do to enjoy myself, what I do when I'm not working, where like the fun really begins. Okay. I thought I'd just go on that little tangent on the side about jobs, because I don't want you to think that living your authentic self has to also mean that you've got to have a job that corresponds with all of the above because you don't. Okay. Now, how do you identify authentic self in other people? And I think it's pretty easy to do it because when you start thinking about the people that are in your life, you can very quickly start to identify the people that you know are truly comfortable in their own skin and just quite like confident and not loudly confident. They might be, but also like the quietly confident people, the people that are just satisfied. They have life satisfaction. Okay. doesn't mean that they're not trying to reach for other goals, but they're satisfied with their life. And that's a really beautiful thing to have. It's not I'm settling for less. It's I'm genuinely, I feel fulfilled in my life and I can still be reaching for other things and growing and learning and exploring, but I'm fulfilled. And we probably all know at least one person in our life that represents that. And and even if you don't know them personally, maybe you it's someone that you look up to in some way, shape or form that you think emulates that. But it's kind of, you know, people that are genuinely happy with their lives, happy with themselves, they don't change who they are based on who they are talking to. That's a huge indicator of someone who is living their authentic self. They are truly themselves in every single situation. And that's very special. When I say that, it's a really beautiful thing to see. And it's something that I've always kind of worked towards. I noticed it the, the first person that I really noticed this in that I consciously became aware of that was my sister as a kid from early on. She was always like, this is who I am. This is how I want to be. This is how I like to dress. This is, you know, she always was very self-assured on what her style was. Didn't matter. It, it didn't have to follow a trend. It didn't have to follow what people thought was right or what was wrong. It, it just didn't phase her. She was always like back in the day when tomboy was a word, especially in the 90s, she would always be referred to as a tomboy and people would be like, oh, and refer to her as a boy because she had, she always cut her hair short and wore shorts and t-shirts. Lol, imagine that chat now, hilarious, but 90s. Anyway, and it never made her even flinch. She was like, that's, they can think that. I don't care. I don't care because people are like, well, don't you want to wear something a bit more feminine so people know you're a girl? She's like, why do I care if people know I'm a girl? Like she would have been under 10 saying that. So I was like, that is someone who's living their authentic self. And I identified that, that she was the first person that made me realize what that looked like. And growing up, especially as I became an adult, I realized the importance of that. And I realized how genuinely happy she always was. Nothing really wavered as far as that. So I started to try and do that for myself. And I feel like everything's a work in progress, but I feel like I'm really, really like there or very close to being there versus when I was like a lot younger or a teenager or whatever. So that's kind of what it looks like. It's someone who isn't wavered by, like doesn't waver based on other people's opinions. The only thing that makes them change is when they themselves, you know, develop or generate like a deep interest for something else. And then they are pulled to want to 
evolve or develop in that way, whether it be a change of style, whether it be a change of, you know, interests or whatever, but it's because they are innately internally pulled to do that thing, not because people are like, mm, don't you think you should, eh, you should eh, eh, and then they're like, oh, okay, and then they squeeze themselves into this category that they don't really feel like they fit into, okay? It's also people that are not competing and comparing constantly, okay? So this feeling of competition with other people, I'm not talking about entering a competition as far as like a sport or whatever that's different, but um, this compete, competing with other people for something, like for attention, for love, for acceptance, for validation, for popularity, things like that. Things that, you know, get you on an emotional level and and make you feel either worthy or worthless. When you when you are seeking that from the external and when you are competing with other people for that validation, that's when it really hinders and hurts your self-esteem. Um and also this constant comparison, which is a form of competition in a way, at least in your head, where you're constantly checking, okay, am I living up to that? Am I not? Am I here? Am I there? Am I not? Are they below me? Are they above me? Are they? It's very exhausting. So when someone is genuinely living their authentic self, that's not really happening for them. They're kind of motivated intrinsically. They can genu genuinely celebrate other people's journeys because they're very much on their own journey. They aren't swayed by other people's, you know, opinions of them. They're consistent is a big one. They don't force themselves to fit into norms. They're genuinely kind of unfazed by standards around them. And they also are able to, it's not, when I say that they're really, really happy with who they are, it doesn't mean that they can't identify their own mistakes or they can't, you know, but they can look at a mistake they can look at a flaw, they can look at something that they did that was embarrassing and not be horrified by it. They can be like, oh, fuck, ha. <laughs> lol, that was embarrassing. And they can laugh a bit. It's more lighthearted. They're just kinder to themselves because they're like, I'm a fucking <laughs> evolving thing. You know, e everyone is on their journey of evolution that they're, they're at peace with their mistakes. They're at peace with their embarrassing moments and they can laugh about it and not be horrified and not talk about it and hide it. They can, you know, it's a more lighthearted approach to their flaws and their downfalls. And it doesn't mean that they're not looking to always improve themselves. If anything, they are, but in a much, in a pace that works for them, not in a pace that has to adhere to what other people think should be you know, the pace that they go at. So if that sounded fucking good to you, if that sounds like tempting to want to live that way, then let's talk about how you can start heading in that direction. To make some changes in yourself, in feeling more authentic, in all of the above and what I just spoke about, let's take a little look at ourselves and do a little bit of like an inventory. I want you to ask a, a few questions to yourself. Now, you can just sit there, listen to this episode and just ask them as I go, or you can kind of rewind back to it, write it all down and really make a journaling thing out of it, whatever works for you. So number one, ask yourself, do you edit yourself and your behaviors depending on who you are around? And then if the answer is yes, is it all the time? Do you notice yourself do it all the time? Is it like a lot of energy that you put into doing this? Or is it just with a couple of people, maybe the people that intimidate you or the people that you maybe you have a crush on or someone that you're trying to impress? Then ask yourself, what to you does it mean to fit in? Does it mean that you need to be like somebody else? Does it mean that you need to 
agree with other people and that your thought processes have to be the same in order to be liked? Is that what fitting in means, that you have to have the same style, the same, is it this, this sameness? Or do you interpret fitting in as being interested in somebody else, being interested in the differences, celebrating the differences, learning, um, being accepting and kind of part of being accepting and being accepted is to accept these differences as well and to learn from each other. So sometimes fitting in for a lot of people is, no, I need to fit into this box. And for other people, fitting in is, I want to just be part of this community and we can all be different. What does it look like to you? So if you were saying, oh, that person doesn't fit in, what would that mean to you? If you heard that statement, what does that mean? Because when I think, oh, that person doesn't fit in, I more think about if we, if someone really clashes morally on like a deep moral level and I feel like I just can't really associate myself with certain people for certain reasons. But it wouldn't have to do with their style of music, if they like going out or not, if they, you know, because there's a lot of things that to me are quite superficial that don't really matter as far as quote unquote fitting in. And I think that fitting in in high school when it's way more regimented of like, this is what you got to do versus fitting in as an adult also is very different. Then I want you to ask yourself, where is there inconsistencies in myself? Like what I was talking about before. Do you struggle to find a consistent way of being in your life? Or is there a lot of inconsistencies? I'm this person on this day. I'm this person on that day. I, I behave differently when I'm in front of my parents versus when I'm with my friends versus when I'm like all of, you know, the above. So identify where there's inconsistencies. And then I want you to ask yourself also, like we were talking about before when we were talking about, you know, the clashes between the ideal and the ought and all of that. Get clear on what that looks like. What is your current self? What is your ideal self? And what is the I ought to be version of myself? And the one that I really want you to look into deeply is the ought category because some of those things are necessary, some of those things are unnecessary. And what I want you to realize that sometimes you'll be so caught up, especially if you've been brought up like this and it's really hard to just switch off like a fucking switch, but Sometimes you'll get so caught up feeling that you have to live a certain way by certain standards to impress people or to fulfill other people emotionally. But if it's not you living your authentic self, you will end up feeling lost. You'll feel detached. You'll feel very unfulfilled. Your anxiety goes up. Your self-esteem goes down. So it's all well and good that you're living to please somebody else. But ultimately, for what? Like for what? And if you think that you not doing something is going to disappoint someone so massively, like if I don't do that degree in that particular thing, my parents will be so disappointed. No offense, but whose problem is that? It's ultimately their problem because you can say everything you want to say. You can try and explain to them that, you know, your happiness is the ultimate success and all of that. But if someone can't say past that, there's not much you can do about it. So you have to make the really, really tough decision of liberating yourself or feeling like a prisoner to someone else's expectations for the rest of your life because it's not going to go away. And the interesting thing is the moment you do liberate yourself, a lot of the pain that you thought you'd feel 
yeah, okay, you feel bad that, you know, you, you, you hurt them, even though you didn't actively, they hurt themselves by having these expectations, but you feel bad, but you also feel your self-esteem goes up, your anxiety goes down. So while all this stuff is happening, while you've got this internal conflict of like, I'm trying to be my authentic self, you start to feel better and better and better about yourself. You liberate yourself. And then you realize all this time I was putting this off for so long and it's changed my life. Living the way that I need to be living has changed my life. I might have quote unquote disappointed people along the way, but it's, I can tell you right now, it's worth it. If deep down you are living a life that you don't want to be living, nothing is worth that, especially if you've got a real opportunity to live a life that you do want to be living. So now as we do this kind of detox for ourselves or however you want to call it, a cleanse, a spring clean, ask yourself, what is no longer me? What do I not really align with that I'm pretending to align with just to please people? With the things that I'm doing now, what actually makes me happy and what does not make me happy? You know, do I do I pretend to like these things because my friends like these things? And then ask yourself, if I was to stop pretending the, that I like these things, if I was to stop, quote unquote, trying to fit in instead of just being me and just fitting in because I'm me, would it ruin my friendships? Would, okay, it surprised people, yes, because they're saying a new side of you, fine, fine, that's fine. But would it ruin friendships? Because if the answer is yes, it's probably not like a, a a real friendship or one that's worth carrying on. And if the answer is, oh, well, they'd be surprised, whatever, but no, then what are you waiting for? You know, let's say you're someone that's like, no, I'm done partying, but my friends always think that I party so much. They love my partying side. They're not going to, I mean, if they're a friend, they're going to be like, oh, what a shame that you don't want to go out anymore. Anyway, next, let's go out for dinner. Like they'll be fine. People, you'd be surprised how the people that love you will adapt pretty quickly if they have your best interest at heart. If they don't have your best interest at heart, then either A, they drop off or B, they take a while to come around and then hopefully they come around. So it's not to say that, oh, you can't accept who I am as my authentic self. I'm cutting you out for life. But it's kind of saying, well, I'm here to welcome you with open arms when you can come around, but I'm not going to cater to your expectations of me anymore. I'm done. Cheers, cunt. Thank you so much. No more. Okay. Maybe don't say that to your parents. They'll probably think it's very aggressive, but that's kind of the, the vibe that we're going for. And then lastly, what I want you to really hone in on is how are you when you are alone or with those people that are closest to you that you never have to second guess what you think, do or say? You can like wear whatever you want, do whatever you want. You can whatever. You can sit there in silence, not feel like you have to say something, that person. And if that person doesn't exist in your life for you, it's how you are around your pet or like your favorite animal, right? Like it's it's this feeling of how am I when I'm just being, when I'm existing? What do I gravitate towards? What are the, what's the music I like to listen to when I don't have to tell people what my favorite song is? That's your authentic choice. What's, what do I like to eat when I don't have to tell everyone what my favorite food is? That is the food that you like. What do I do in my spare time when nobody is home? You know, that kind of thing. What kind of genre of book do I like to read when I don't have to tell people what I'm reading? It's it who cares if it's 
embarrassing or if you're shy to say it, whatever, like those things, who you are, the topics you talk about to the people that are closer to you that you know never judge you, that is a very good indicator of your authentic self. And if you're someone that still hasn't found your passion, lean into those moments, lean into those interests, lean into those conversations where you're most comfortable. And that will start to give you indicators of where you could go further, what you could explore deeper, what topics you might be more interested in. It will give you a really clear indication of, you know, your interests, your passions, your morals, your moral compass, all of these things. So spend time in those moments, spend time alone, journal often with the questions that I've asked you today. And also pay very close attention to the people that you know that are living their authentic self. And there's no there's no kind of mystery as to why those people are the happiest because there's no conflict. There's no internal conflict. The only conflict that exists is one that they don't have to deal with and it's how they are existing and other people having conflict in their mind being like, but you don't fit in, but like, don't you think people will think this, don't you think? So the conflict exists outside of themselves. When you live truly your authentic self, there is no no conflict, none. There's calm, self-esteem is high, your confidence is high. And because your self-esteem and your confidence is high, your resilience is higher as well. You can put up with things better. You can, you're okay being alone. This is a huge one. You are okay being alone. You're not afraid to be alone. You're not afraid to, you know, you don't think of being alone as being lonely. You enjoy your own company. You like who you are. You like what you are about and you like where you're heading. That is what it means to be authentically you. You can do it loudly, you can do it quietly, but it's that feeling where there's no internal conflict and that's when you know that you are being authentically yourself. So start to start to make these little changes, detoxing, identifying the times where you're being someone else, where you're kind of being inconsistent with who you are, you know, stop agreeing when you don't actually agree. Stop fitting into a style when you don't actually, if someone comments on your style and laughs about it, let them, they'll be on to the next thing, laughing at something else soon enough. It's fine. No one died. It's fine. You know, if you like wearing something, but then you thought, oh, but then everyone was laughing at me and my friends thought that it was weird. So then I went back to wearing too bad. Go back to wearing what you want to wear because they will get over it. And people get over things very quickly when you embrace it very, like when you fully embrace it. If someone, especially someone who is insecure, not not calling people mean or bullies or whatever, but maybe they are, but if someone's insecure and they see you try something new, try something different, they'll try and laugh about it. They'll try and put you down because it's what a lot of people do to make themselves feel good in the moment. A lot of insecure people do that. A lot of bullies do that. Not every insecure person, but a bully w- would do that. And you, if you respond by like, oh, um, yeah, haha, no, or, uh, and try and excuse it or justify why you're wearing what you're wearing or why you tried to do something different this time or why you, then they're like, gotcha. And then they'll prod, 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 and they've got this power over you. But if you just turn around and say, yep, that's me. And they could say whatever they want. You're like, yep, yep, nodding, mm-hmm. Anyway, and then you change the topic. You kind of leave it flat. You're not, you're not fueling the fire, okay? So if you're wanting to make a change in your style, in what you like, in how you express yourself, be prepared 
for there to be some smart comments, some reactions, some, you know, catty remarks, maybe, maybe not. You might be pleasantly surprised and it doesn't happen, but just be prepared for it. Because if it happens, then you can be comfortable being like, I knew this was going to happen and I'm okay with it. Because very, very soon you're going to get over it. You're going to forget about it and you're going to be on to the next thing. And your relationships are going to improve tenfold, if not more, when you're being really authentically yourself because you're being honest, you're open, you're open to proper communication. You can talk about what works for you and what doesn't work for you. You're not pretending that you're okay with things just because you want to please someone else. You are real about what it is that you're okay with and what it is that you want and what it is that you don't want. That is you living your authentic self. And I wanted to do this episode before the end of the year because I think this is a time where you're going to be spending a lot of time with, you know, family and friends and, you know, all these people coming together. And this is a really good opportunity to start to, if not make the changes now, to start to really do a big inventory being like, okay, when I'm around all these people, am I still who I really want to be? And if, if the answer is no, if you're starting to notice these discrepancies in your versions of yourself, then you can be like, all right, I'm learning about myself. I'm aware. And then you can kind of take what you've learned from this time. You don't have to make changes. Don't put all the pressure on yourself yet. Take what you've learned and then see where you can make these changes moving forward after that. Um, so you can really, you know, enter 2024 with a new perspective on, on your authentic self and what that means for you. Thank you so much for listening to today's episode. Here I was being like, oh my God, it's going to be shorter because I'm not doing a brain fact and I'm not doing a listener question. It's substantially long, not going to lie. Anyway, thanks for staying through till the end. Love you guys so much. As always, please remember, be kind to yourself, be kind to your brain. Don't take shit from anyone and especially don't take shit from yourself. Danke. Listener.